Haere mai ki tēnei hōtaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you today. The pre-election economic and fiscal update. No recession forecast and a surplus pencil in by 2027. Treasury is predicting 90-day interest rates to remain at 5.7% until mid-2024. So not all plain sailing. That just after four. The Brindurans, the issues with this essential link to the north, not over. Will it be able to handle the summer influx? And I'd like to know today on the panel from teachers and parents how you feel about this structured literacy, phonics-based learning, many might recall it. And debate rages on how many Air New Zealand lollies it is acceptable to take. There's an easy answer. That is one. Your thoughts, text me, 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me today, Alexia Russell, journalist and producer of The Detail. Kia ora, Alexia. Kia ora. Good to have you here. And with us also, co-founder and partner of Polar's Consulting Group, a former MP and finance spokesperson, and of course, former leader of the Labour Party, David Cunliffe. Kia ora, David. Good to have you here. Kia ora, Wallace. Long time no chat. Great to uh, uh, be here. Indeed, indeed. So, yes, indeed, Alexia and David joining me this afternoon. Before long, you'll be seeing the televised leaders' debates, and there were a handful of comments from yesterday. We talked politics, and some said, hey, bring back the worm. Or what was it? It was a device in the late 90s, early 2000s, 100 floating undecided voters who had a dial. The worm workings are simple enough. Each of our panel has a dial. If they like what they see or hear, they can turn it to good or very good. If they don't like it, they have the option of dull or even very dull. And at the bottom of the screen, you would see this worm go up and down in response to the answers. And one person who had huge success with this worm was none other than then United Future leader Peter Dunn. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Wallace. So the listener said, the worm made debates exciting, said a couple of comments. Bring them back or not, Peter? Oh, look, I don't don't have a view, actually, because when you're involved in those debates, you don't see what the worm's doing, so you don't know whether you're influencing it positively or not. Uh, I think probably gives people a flavour of what's happening, but ultimately they've got to make their own call about who's winning and who's losing in a debate. Well, I can recall them very clearly, David Cunliffe. Uh, they were quite riveting, can I just say? I'm not quite sure. I think Jim Bolger said uh, they had no place in intelligent discussion. That's right. Do you agree? Uh, look, as a punter, I loved it. As a politician, I'd hate it. Um, and in any case, now we've got this thing called uh, social media, or, you know, for example, X, the, no, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> and that does the same job of feedback, whether you like it or not. Um, the problem with uh, social media as opposed to the worm is when you say one thing, the algorithms turn you further in the same direction. And that's why, unfortunately, we have people dug in behind their sandbags and talking past each other. So uh, maybe we should bring back the word and get rid of Elon Musk. <laughs> bring back the worm, get rid of X. Peter? Well, maybe. Um, look, I think it was, value was more entertainment than information. Uh, but the funny thing was, um, I remember about that particular 
debate, getting all sorts of advice beforehand about what to say and what not to say, and what the worm would like and what the worm wouldn't like. And it was also confusing. <laughs> I decided just simply to say what I wanted to say, and I just thought I'd better just be positive. Best idea. Um, and that's, that's what I was. But the really interesting thing was the debate was 90 minutes long. Um, my total contribution was four and a half minutes over the course of that debate. And yet you went down in history as being the worm beater. They loved you, Peter. In fact, you were yep. called, what, what were you called, Mr Common Sense? Yes, that's right. And, and part of the, the, the reason for that, I think, was one of the things I wanted to emphasise during that debate, because I knew it was my sort of one big chance, was to talk about common sense politics. Now, no one else had done that before. Common sense was seen as a bit of a dirty phrase, funnily enough. And, so, and I didn't realise until I got home that night, actually, after the debate, when turned on the TV to see all this fuss going on and suddenly realised I'd done quite well because words like common sense and uh, sort of being positive had resonated with the worm. Alexia? Yeah, we um, did a whole podcast with you on this, didn't we, Peter? We did, yes. <laughs> it, was very, it was very illuminating. Yeah, and um, your main attraction was being sensible, which you've always been... <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that was the funny bit, actually, because I didn't think I was doing anything other than what I'd always done. I think the difference was this was the first time I'd been in a national debate like that one, and maybe that was a certain novelty value, but it certainly had an impact. We got over 80,000 hits on our website overnight following that debate. Good grief. Yeah, uh, the, but the other politicians, as I recall, um, uh, uh, David, they were not impressed with it. They were, in fact, they, they said it was, or well, I'm just, here's Jim Bolger, as far as it is total irrelevancy and has no place in intelligent discussion. People thought, David, back then it was a populist, um, a populist tactic. Yeah, and maybe history repeats. Maybe this election we're seeing the dangers of focusing on populism rather than focusing on what really needs to get done. And I think Peter summed it up earlier when he said, uh, try and ignore the worm um, because if you're just trying to be popular rather than trying to do the right thing, that might backfire on you. Peter? No, I, I agree with that. I think David's right. I mean, I think you've got to avoid in all of these situations, worm or no worm, and David would know this because he's been through it too, looking contrived. You've actually got to look real. And if you if you make a mistake or you don't quite say the right thing, if it looks genuine, you can get away with it. But if it looks like you're sort of working for some predetermined script, and mm. people will find you out. And, and especially building on that, uh, Peter, as you know, you, you have a range of advisors all in your ear at the same time. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't help if you pick and choose a bit from each of them because it looks like a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> when it comes out. And, yeah. you know, maybe there are certain politicians mm. on the trail this election who have sounded a bit like that. You've just got to be yourself in all of these situations. I remember once in a, in a subsequent debate, this issue came up and I got my words slightly tangled up and I, I said to Mike Hosking, who really just took, took me apart, and I said, we never set out to be spectacular. We set out to be substantial, but he just focused on the first point because all, you know, all people like the entertainment value of politicians in debate. And what I was trying to draw, draw was a contrast between one of the other people who's still a contender at this election, <laughs> who, is, who lacks any substance but is the ultimate showman. And, uh, I wonder who you mean. Unfortunately, it didn't quite come out the way I wanted. All yeah. right, Peter. Well, very nice to have you here. And, uh, OK, so that's perhaps uh, let's not bring back the worm. Uh, Peter Dunbeck. <laughs> 
who, uh, yes, so it's an interesting part of history. And actually, you can go into NZ on screen and uh, see uh, the history of the worm. They're part of uh, political debates. And, of course, you can hear it on uh, the detailed podcast as well. Um, now, um, in terms of uh, the, the, the lolly, lolly debate, the worst thing about New Zealand are, in fact, those boiled lollies. They're pure sugar, they're hard, they're awful. A chewy Macintosh would work better. Another one here, we're talking about this later. Uh, I was on the same flight as a sitting MP who took multiple biscuit packets for their children's lunches, and I was inflamed. <laughs> the panel... Uh, there's no name attached. Um, all right, time for I've Been Thinking. Alexia Russell, what's been your I've Been Thinking today? Well, um, because it's occupied so much of my time um, and it ended, it culminated in this morning's podcast, it's about, and, and I think probably it's because it was quite personal, it's one of the worst podcasts I've ever done. I was so unsure about it. But it was about how long do we have to wait before we can stop highlighting the achievements of women before our achievements are normal and it's not something we need to comment on anymore. And I thought that with these fabulous three World Cups we've just been held in New Zealand, that we were coming to that time that, you know, everyone was talking about, you know, Ruby Tui and an amazing cross and the football that got us a goal. And, you know, it was pretty exciting. And and then I... then every time you think we've taken a step forward, there's a step back. I, I was reading a story about the silver ferns and stuff, and the subheading was women's sport. And I thought, when it comes to the All Blacks game, we're going to see men's sport on the top of it. Um, you know, I was talking to um, a commander of, um, down at the Navy a couple of weeks ago, and she said, did you know now that the Navy has more female commanders on boats than males? But, you know, once you got them all together for the pitch, it was kind of cringy. Um, women are getting uncomfortable about being highlighted, and you know, ah. yeah. So it's a really difficult. So when's one. enough? When's enough? When's not enough? I don't know. I would have thought we would have come to that moment now, and yet every time I sort of think that, we seem to slide backwards again with some comment from somewhere that you know came out of the blue, or some you know idea that surfaces that belongs to the Stone Age. And yeah, I would really like to stop writing these stories. Be interested to hear what uh, our listeners say on that. You've got sport, women's sport. <laughs> what was wrong with netball, <laughs> rugby? Very good. Thank you, uh, Alexia Russell there. David Cunliffe, I've been thinking. I've been thinking about today's prefer, and we'll talk some more about it in a bit. But it is showing a giant tax hole, and I'm going to say it, I still think we need real tax reform. So tax revenues down 2.9 billion in the prefu relative to the previous forecast. That's corporate tax down about 2 billion and personal deductions about 1.6, and that is um, meaning that we're going to be in deficit uh, for a year longer than we thought. And that is after a whole bunch of government spending cuts. That means there's actually very little for politicians to pay for their election promises. Underneath the hood. The economy's been slowing. The gap between rich and poor has been growing. That means big compromises in future. And a lower tax take means less resources for the things that everybody needs. Both parties appear to be trying to cut their way out of the hole. Labour with scissors, National with a machete. And neither GST or fruit and veggies or taxing foreign property buyers is going to solve the problem. It is time people for a capital gains tax. 
Uh, I don't think a wealth tax, because too much would leave the country. But it is time for serious tax reform, not fiddling while Rome burns. Otherwise, we'll have budget deficits for Africa and we will have low and middle income families picking up the tab. And a capital gains tax on everything, exempting your house? No, I'd exempt the family home up to a limit, um, put a number on it, two or three million or something like that. Um, but that's a matter for the uh, policy advisors to work through. I think the principle is a broad-based, low-rate tax system where there are very little loopholes and where we don't just tax wage and salary earners, we cover property speculators and we have incentives for people to put money into real businesses, not okay. just invest in real estate. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do, David. Uh, that's been uh, uh, one tax reform that has not been on the, dis- the discussion. Um, let's do a snap panel poll. Uh, answers it uh, just after 4.30. Who supports in this country a capital gains Tax, just a snap poll, yes or no. Why, why not, if you like? But yes or no, do you support a capital gains tax? Yes or no? Text me 2101. Interesting. Before you go, before we go to the uh, news, can I just get a quick comment, David, on the low? While you're here, I've got to ask you, as the former leader of the Labour Party, the polling around Labour at the moment, very, very low. Um, Fair to say you've been there in the past. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's a tough place for Labour to be in, especially coming off, um, you know, numbers above 53 years ago. I do feel for Chris Hipkins. I think he's being pretty brave and he's being pretty good in terms of his performances in front of the camera so it's clearly not a leader performance problem in the media. I think it's I think it's a strategic problem. I think Labour's been focused on a small number of so-called swinging voters and that has prevented them showing the kind of leadership that actually most people in New Zealand know is needed because our world is changing so fast and we need to keep up and we need decisive leadership to do that. All right, David Cunliffe, Alexi Russell on today's panel. Loving your company. Big response to our panel poll. Talk very shortly.